Road. Uh, I believe that was one of the Bennett houses from back in the early 1800s. And most of the people in that area, the houses, that one there, uh, were, and the one where the Keeches lived, I think that was uh, Melendez and Bennett's and the North Cemetery. Most of the, that was more or less of a, a family, a neighborhood cemetery. Now you have memories as a child that involve that cemetery. Pardon? You have memories of, as a child about that cemetery. Oh, yeah. No. Now come on, share it. There's one that, uh, okay. There were the tomb there. There's a, there are two tombs. One belonged to Eli Sautel, who lived at the uh, where the furniture place is up there. He was a major in the Revolutionary War, I believe it was. He's buried there in the one tomb, he and his family, on the, the right-hand side. Then the tomb next to it, there was, uh, there's no name that I can remember, but in the 40s, a couple ladies did a survey of, all, of the cemeteries in Brooklyn, the Pine Grove and the Lakeside and the North Cemetery. And there had been a, a, a slate plaque on the front of that tomb. But when they did that survey, the only thing they could find on this plaque was, uh, what was it? The letters TH and then, uh, no, let's see, yeah. Oh, B, I think it was. And then uh, TH. And then uh, uh, DEA, and I believe that was Deacon Thomas Bennett, who lived in the house where they sell the, the uh, produce now, because that, that was one of the Bennett houses, and I'm quite sure that must be his, his tomb. Well, back in the 50s, that tomb was made of granite blocks on three sides and in the, in the front, and there were about four huge granite slabs that formed the roof. They were probably about a foot thick. And one of those, the front one, nearest the street, broke and caved in. Well, there were two or three boys decided to investigate. So they went in there, and, and there were about the remains of about eight wooden coffins there. And I believe they were probably Thomas Bennett and his family. Well, somehow about six of those skulls ended up displayed on the front of that of that tomb. I don't want to mention any names. <laughs> and of course, at that time they didn't think anything about it. I mean, teenage and no preteens, and no, that was well. And at that time, uh, I guess Sid Hall Senior happened to drive by later saw those skulls lined up, and he was pretty upset about that. And he got in touch with Grover Fowl Sr., who was a sexton at that time, and he went up and I guess he, I don't know just how he repaired it, but he repaired the tomb, reclosed re it, and it's been that way ever since then. But, uh, and funny thing, <laughs> several years later, okay, my brother-in-law, Joe, Edward Austin, Joe, everybody calls him, 
And I think Ross Jensen knows the balls there too, as, as well as I. And might as well fess up now. <laughs> in later years, because my, uh, my brother and our sister moved to Connecticut, and they were involved in the Baptist church down there. And in later years, Joe, like I say, his name was Edward. Everybody can count, called him Joe. He was involved. He was the, the uh, on the cemetery committee there in, 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 in town. And there was this, one of the ladies in the church, she was uh, lamenting the fact to my sister that there had been some vandalism in the cemetery there. And she thought that was so terrible. And my sister couldn't resist telling her about what Joe had done up here. Because that broke her up. I mean, she was prim and proper that, that she she just burst out laughing she, after that found out that here Joe, the, the one of the father, one of the uh, uh, people in the church there on the seminary committee, they found out what he had done here. <laughs> anyway, he, he was making up for past sins. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, keep keep going down thirteen for us. Okay, so uh, then there was a house on the left. Across, almost across from the cemetery. I don't know much about that. There was a, there was a lady there. She was. This is during World War Two. She was uh, involved in the army. She was a captain in the army at that time. Captain Clark, I don't know, Catherine Clark, I think. But I didn't really know anything about her. Then go along there. Little house on the corner of uh, Route Thirteen and. The North Mason Road, or most people call it the Dump Road, but that's what I still call it. And there was, that was one of the old schoolhouses. And at that time when I was a kid, it was a fan, Mrs., Mr. and Mrs. Kerr, Beatrice Kerr, I don't remember what her husband's name was, I think he died. But she, I think she had been a school teacher or something, anyway. But, but she lived there uh, for quite a few years. Then going up the North Mason Road, the house, the house on the right. When I was a kid, there was a family named Fordet that lived there, and I went to school with several of them. I didn't really know much about the family. I used to be in the house a lot with them. And then there was, let's see, the next. Of course, years ago, that was all part of the farm, the 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 hall estate, and on the opposite side, on the left hand side, there was. If probably if you dug around enough, you could find some of the remains of the old uh, charcoal kilns, where they had uh, 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 burned the wood make make charcoal. They used it in the and and their heating stoves and also the bed warmers that they put the charcoal in there to run inside the the beds to warm up before you went in and got into bed at night. But anyway, and then beyond that. There was nothing until you got beyond, just beyond the, uh, between the, the brook, the Scabbard Mill Brook and Hutchinson Hill Road. There's a house there now. I don't know who lives there. And when I was a kid, there was a Hendrickson family that lived there. And we were quite friendly with them. They were, they were fans. There were a lot of Finnish families in town at that time. And right next to that was Think the foundation where one, another one of the old schools was, because that was long gone before I ever remembered it. 
Going up Hutchinson Hill Road, there were no houses there. There's cellar holes. There's one on the right up there. I can't remember. I did know the name of the family that lived there. It's on the, one of the old maps. And back at that time, in the, you could drive all the way through there, Hutchinson Hill Road, to Ball Hill Road, and uh, uh, yeah, they they could could co drive all the way through there with a car, and then the other branch of that uh, ended up on uh, Osgood Road. You could you could drive all the way through there with a car. And let's see, there was a. I think there was a, uh, where are we here? Oh, there was a, the first place on the right there, going into Hutchinson Hill Road, was the hardwood place. There's a cellar hole still there now. In fact, I that was one, I think I took pictures of that when I, back a few years ago. I I took some measurements. Then farther along, on the left. There's the, uh, the the cellar hole, the remains of an old farm there, which I believe was the Stickney farm, that burned many many years ago. I remember that there's a cellar hole, and I never and the Hutchinson farm was, I, I don't think I, I don't remember that at all. I think that's just a cellar hole now. Then coming back onto the North Mason Road, just before. You get to the uh, Spalding Brook. There was a little camp on the right there. There was a uh, Walt in Walter Batchel there who lived there at that time. It was just a little one-room camp, and I don't remember too much about them. I don't, he, I think he was a wood woodcutter, wood chopper. And of course, years ago, there was, uh, there was the old. Uh, uh, Mill, the remains of the dam, the mill was still there, just to the just to the right of the bridge there. So you're on um, North, Mason North Mason Road, Road by the brook. By the brook, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the remains of the the dams are still there, and then you just opposite side of the brook, the, the uh, remains of the house. I think it was a Spalding house, which was back in the Really, uh, late 1700s, 1800s. That was uh, one of the social spots in town. They had uh, uh, all kind of, uh, any any celebrations. Uh, they always had a lot of celebrations there, and and just get-togethers, uh, barn dances and uh, cor uh, corn huskings and things like that. And in the, according to the town history, that's all in the town history. And where the dump is now, that road there went all the way through, connected onto, uh, I think they call it the Plains Road, connected onto Dupal Gould Road. And you used to be able to drive through there with the car. And going along up, farther up, to the, where on the left hand side, going up the hill, where Pinkham's live now. Um, when I was a kid, there was a, oh, I can't remember names, there was, there was a family by the name of Ring, 
that lived there when I was when I was a, a kid. And I don't I can't remember the family family history of that place. I think it was one of the older places in town. And after that, get up just before the Ben Farnsworth Road. On the right, there were the foundations of an old farm there. You can't even see them from the road now, but when I was a kid, you, that was mostly open field land there. And that was one of the old uh, Farnsworth houses. And there were several, I think that was the last place I remember, house on, on that, on the North Mason Road. And on the Ben Farnsworth Road, there was the, what I remember was the Ben Farnsworth house, which burned back in the 60s, I think it was, the 70s. But then there were a number of Farnsworth houses there. And, but the, the only house that I remember on that was the Ben Farnsworth place. Uh, and there was nothing else from there up to the Mason line. Then you come back down here, back onto Route 13, and where Cassandi's restaurant is now, that was, at one time that was the Cox Farm. And part of that was the Hall Farm. It was one of the, the Hall Farms. Now, this whole area from the uh, lower end of the field where, where the uh, Milford Street, where Hall's Manufacturing was, on both sides of what is now Route 13, and on the west side of Route 13, all the way to the North Stream, and all the way up to the North Mason Road. That was all Hall, part of the Hall Estates and the this house here where I live now was the William Hall house and the uh, where the what was the the Cox farm where the Crisantes is and that was one of the Hall estates and on the opposite side there was a well between where the the the, the, the guy with the what has a hydraulic business and there's a shed down there to the right of that there was an old house it was one of the old hall farms at that time too. That, that my my folks owned that land for a number of years too. And when I was a kid, that was the Wartonen family that lived there. Like the, one of the sons, uh, Arnie Wartonen, was the he was killed in World War Two. That's the killed off killed off Wartonen, American Legion. Uh, he went down with a troop ship in the Mediterranean because he was never recovered. But uh, when I, like I say, when I was a kid, there was the Wartman place, and then the, uh, after the parents died, uh, the sons, you know, married and moved away, and then they wanted to settle the estate till my dad, my dad bought the place. And that land went for, all the way from the road opposite Crisanti's, where there was a big old barn right at the corner there, which they tore down when they widened Route 13. And from there, back down where the smithy shop is, the fine lines, and the house further down there in Quimby Road, that was all part of that working land. My, and my folks, like that, my dad bought that. And plus there were about 15 acres down on uh, Spalding Brook on the North Stream that belonged to that place too that we owned for a number of years. Anyone of the old Cox Farm, that burned back in the 20s, I believe it was, so I don't really remember that. You have 
the society has pictures, historical society has pictures of that. And this place here where I am now, number 12 Quimby Road, that was, uh, that was handed down to several generations of halls. I have an interesting letter that my mother got from uh, George Peabody, who was born in this house. And his father was killed in, one, in the old Spalding Mill up there on, uh, on the North Mason Road. Like I say, he was, uh, George Peabody was born in this house. The organ that used to be in the community church, what used to be the Congregational Church, his family donated the big pipe organ to the church, which was there for many years up until the 50s. The George W. Peabody organ, and and one, I think in the a couple of pictures of the that the society has of uh, a wedding. I think uh, uh, Hobart Powers' wedding. You can just barely see the it's sort of an arc on the front of the George W. Peabody, and that was that organ had been donated by this George Peabody's family that was born here, and his mother. George Peabody's mother was was a Hall, but he was born in this house, and he remembers living here because he he died back in the seventies, about a hundred and one years old, and uh, my mother had had she was involved with t town history and and getting uh, diverging a little bit from this. He she, Harold Burgess when he he. Started the the uh, Brookline News back in the fifties. My mother helped him. She did a lot of the research for stuff and did a lot of the writing for him, and dug in a lot of town history. So George Peabody was one of the people she contacted, and and she got a letter from him in which he described some of the history of this place, which that she'll give to the donate to the society. But that's uh, this this place here is started out as a cabin on the on the east side of on the other road. side of the street. Yeah, and there's still a little depression there with the with the, the root cellar for that. And then they moved the cabin over to this side, the west side of the street, and then they built the main part of the house here back in the late 1700s. And then they moved, because the, the original well that was here when I moved in, it's under the kitchen and the other side, the other section of the house. So they, because that was outdoors, then they moved the old section of the house up and joined it onto the new section and raised it another story. In fact, the, where that section joins on here, the old original Cedar shingles from this part of the house are still there, but and then it you know, underwent a number of changes down through the years. The uh, had the old center central chimney, uh, which is now upstairs in my study, and had the fireplaces on two sides. One and well, this room here, and what is not living downstairs, and then and the two rooms on the other end of the house. And then in later years they took out the old central chimney and 
make those two rooms into bedrooms or whatever as they are. Well, it was 1941 that we moved in here because there was no electricity here at that time. The electricity came just as far as well, on Milford Street or Jensen's place is. And then there was, uh, at that time, there was this place and here on uh, the intersection of of Crumby Road and Route 13, the little house on the left-hand side. Jim and Lou Powers lived there. And then across from... Uh, where the home manufacturing was, it was a house there, Harry Williams, Harry and Gertie let Williams. Me, let me bring you back to your place. Did you tell me there was a big barn here? Yeah, there originally was a big barn, and because my mother, remember that she used to come down from New Boston on the train, all by herself, she must have been maybe eight, nine years old, take the train from New Boston through uh, Golfstown and uh, down to uh, Amherst and Milford, and down to the station near Brookline. And uh, now her great, her aunt, Elizabeth Todd Bridges, lived on Milford Street where the Emmeline family lives now. And um, she was a school teacher. She taught school here in Brookline. And at that time, George W. Bridges, who was originally from Wilton, was he enlisted in the in the uh, uh, Union Army during the Civil War and became an officer. In fact, he uh, commanded a, a black troop in in the Civil War, and they fought mostly in Louisiana. And he apparently was very seriously wounded during one of the campaigns. And after the war, because he had married when he was in in Wilton, and I guess it was. After he came back from the war, that his his wife, first wife, died. They had one son, Theodore. And then he came to Brookline, and I believe, according to what I heard, the story I got, he built that house or uh, on Milford Street, and it's, it doesn't fit in with the New England style. I was told by my great aunt, his wife, that. He modeled that after some of the architecture that he saw there in the South. But he, uh, like he was involved in uh, in the church, the Congregational Church, and he was a notary public and uh, justice of the peace. And he, in the later years, he became a postmaster from I don't know in the late 1800s to about 1913, I think it was. And the society has pictures of him in the post office down there, what is the building there is now the concession stand at the ball field. And he was involved, he was did that, and he was involved in the school system, and uh, that's how, I guess, my great aunt, Elizabeth Todd, got acquainted with him. They married in 1896. And anyway, my uh, my mother used to come to Brookline on the train, and uh, yes, George Bridges died in 1918, I believe, because my mother remembered him, Uncle George. But after he died, there was a Dr. Holcomb that used to live on Milford Street, and not where the Visnaskis now lives. And later years, it was 
there was a, a, a dude ranch and then the uh, stone fence in. But he lived there at that time. He was the only doctor in town but in the early 1900s. And he used to go down with his horse and carriage and pick my mother up from the station and deliver her up to her aunt's place there. So and my mother remembered the big barn that used to be out here. And that burned, I don't know, back in the, in the early 20s, I guess, with the, uh, and according to what uh, I heard, a spark from the train set it on fire because it was just a short distance from the barn to the railroad bed, which is directly behind here. But she remembered the, the big old barn. And then George Davis, Arthur Goss, who lived in your place, he and Jenny, because that was originally her parents, the Shattuck place, you know. And uh, Arthur Goss, Arthur Davis, uh, George, Arthur Goss was a carpenter. And his daughter, Jenny, married George Davis, who, whose family lived across the street. And, and George Davis was a carpenter, too. And they built the new barn out here, which I, I knew very well. In fact, that burned in 1965 as a result of my dad's uh, uh, woodworking business. He, had the, he still had his portable cleaner set up outside and the spark from that caught onto the pile of shavings and consequently into the barn and many years of accumulation of hayseed and dust and the shavings and sawdust and that would ignite it almost instantaneously. But anyway, this place has a history. <laughs> Wonderful. And well, let's see. You often uh, reminisce about uh, what information you have on the Emmerling Place. Now we know it's an Emmerling Place. You've been right. talking about it as George Bridges. And that's the the place with, if I'm not mistaken, it's called a mansard roof. I believe so, yeah. It yeah. wraps down from above. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you tell me that there's a well inside there? Yeah. When I was a kid, though, she had my aunt, Aunt Eve, we called her, Elizabeth. Actually, her first name was Caroline, but she went by the name of Elizabeth and uh, Lizzie. But we children, we kids, she was Aunt E to us. She got very upset one time because we called her Aunt Lizzie. Well, so I mean, we were supposed to call her Aunt E, which we always did, <laughs> except at one time. Uh, there was the, she had electricity and a telephone. The electrical wiring was the old, almost bare wiring. It had just a, two strands set. In, two, in, in a double insulator, uh, that's, that was a wiring, which uh, all porcelain insulators and the, the, all the, the light switches were porcelain fixtures. Anyway, and the well was in the kitchen. And it went, of course, and it had, uh, went all the way from the kitchen down into the basement and down into the ground there. And it was enclosed in the, in the, in the basement and in the kitchen with the old, had the old oaken buckets, two buckets, one on each end of the rope, and went through a pulley up in the ceiling, and had a, a cover over the over the well upstairs in the kitchen. So you'd let down one bucket and the empty bucket, and then pull that up, and as that came up, the empty bucket went down, 
So I pull it up and then close the cover and set the empty bucket on the cover. And that's, that was her water supply. But when I was a kid in primary school and grammar school, that was my chore for a number of years to go up there every afternoon after school and fill up. She had some other uh, containers that I fill up with water. And that was, I mean, I don't know what they, they probably tore that out in later years. But, uh, well, let's see, travel it either in your mind's eye farther down 13 or move into Main Street, either way. Okay, now let's see. Uh, after uh, there was a opposite uh, the Hall Main Trusting was a place there, and then across there on the, the field of where the foot comes up and uh, built houses are. Now there was a cellar hole there. That was one of the old Gilson places. I have no idea where you are. Help me out. You know, uh, where, where the hall manufacturing was? Yeah. Okay, you, you uh, the, just beyond there, there's a curve there. Are you on? Uh, Milford Street. Oh, okay, I'm yeah. with you now. Okay, yeah. There was a, the, the curve there on the opposite side there. Now, uh, uh, I can't remember the girl's name, Sue. I don't know. They used to sell Christmas trees. Jarvis and uh, she was Car she was Anthony's not. Uh, she was Carl Anderson's daughter. Carl Anderson's yeah. daughter. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, a cellar hole there when I was a kid, and it was one of the old Gilson homes, and then the next place on the right, just opposite, there were two places opposite Jensen's. There was one. I think was one of the originally when I was a kid there was O'Brien's lived there. But I think that was originally a Gilson home. And the place next to it, just south of that, was when I was a kid, uh Elton Jensen and his family lived there. Which place is this? Is this uh, Riendo's place? No, that side this side of the there. Hill? Little little cape up on the hill in towards hall manufacturing. Same side of the road as Riendo? Yeah, it's back this one uh, House this side of Riando's. Okay. There was a, I think those there was two houses there were Gilson place. But when I was a kid, uh, Elton Jensen and his family lived there. Ross was let's see, it was Elton and his Elton's mother. Remember, was, she didn't speak any English. She was uh, Norwegian, I believe, and she didn't you know Grammy Jensen. She didn't speak any English, just a few words. Then they'll see. Then there was. They're children with Kenny. And also, also Ruthie, she married later male Harold Burgess. Ruthie and Kate uh Catherine, who's uh, Kate Austin. Then there was um Kenny. He married Florence Burgess, Harold Burgess. There was a brother and sister, married brother and sister there. <laughs> Then let's see, there was Charlotte, Charlotte Farwell, and Ross Jensen, and then uh, Marlene. She was the baby of the family. In fact, uh, she was one of those unexpected ones in later years. <laughs> then they, they lived there in that house, and that building, that shed-like building there, that Elton Jensen drove school bus for many years. When I was when I started school, actually the first when I started school in 1939, Wesley Jilson, who was Grover Fowle Jr.'s father-in-law, 
drove, drove school bus. Had an old uh, uh, Chevy panel truck with a couple of benches in it. He drove. That was the school bus. In the later years, Elton Jensen said had he had a regular a, a real bus, a school bus, and he built that building there as the garage for the bus. And he had the bus route for many years, up until up into the uh, late 40s. Because I know when I was going to high school, when I went to Milford, his son Kenny drove the bus to Milford. And there was nothing on on the on the left hand side there. There were no buildings there. Oh yes, there was the the big poultry house there. Elton Jensen raised poultry too. And then where Riando lives, there was a family by the name of Ryan that lived there at that time. Tom and Dorothy Ryan. Uh, and I I don't know the history of that place. Then just opposite there, there was a there were remains of a foundation. I think there was a originally there was a bar in there, but that was just a cellar hole, just when I as far back as I can remember. And the, the next place just south of that, uh, I don't really know much about this. An old Finnish guy, Joe Lati, lived there when I was a kid. He was one of the Finnish community. He didn't speak much of any English. He was a, he was a stone cutter. In fact, he there's um, there's a quarry, stone quarry. Uh, well, there were, were in the field where uh, the old Gilson place was, where Sue, whatever her name is now, there's the road that went out through there that went up, you could drive through there with the car, up to the old Milford Road. There's a quarry up there. And old Joe, he quarried that for many years all by himself, cutting uh, paving stones, cut the, uh, the big blocks down into paving stones for the road work. Cobblestone size? Yeah, yeah. By hand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, if the, the quarry up there across from uh, uh, Crisanti's, that was the Betters quarry, there was a fence there. They lived, Betters lived there in the corner of Milford Street and Austin Road. There's a lot of trucks out there. They they, they're, uh, they were fence, but they adopted the name of Betters. I don't know why, but it, it certainly isn't a Finnish name, but they were Finnish. I knew the old family, his, the parents and the, the two boys, Arvo and Eno, and they operated the quarry up there. And a lot of their, their most of their stone was cut up into paving blocks. They had another old Finnish guy there, Willie. I don't know what his last name was. He didn't speak any English either. But he didn't have to. Because, I mean, he had, the, like, see, the workmen's, and the the betters, and the the Saronans, no, uh, uh, the Sarona family lived here back in the twenties. Lived where? Lived here in this house. Yes. And uh, uh, in fact, there a number of the Saronan kids were born in this house. And uh, later they lived on. Oh, Ted Saron lived on. Um, Bond Street, the house next to Ben's. 
Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, Willie, the little stonecutter, and there were a, a, a number of Finnish families in town, so they pretty much had their own community. So the old, the older generation didn't speak any, any English, but they didn't need to, because all their kids spoke English, and they, there were enough Finnish families, so they had their own little community. But anyway, the uh, uh, Willie cut paving blocks up here. He was an interesting person. I think back in Finland, I think he had a degree in engineering, mechanical engineering or something. But he was always he was working on a, a perpetual perpetual motion machine, which he never perfected. But he worked on it diligently for years. Did you, you ever it, see it? Pardon? Did you ever see it? Oh yeah, he had a little back room there, and it was uh, quite a conglomeration of gears and weights and stuff. And that. It, was, it was interesting because I uh, I pretty much grew up hearing Finnish, but I le never learned to speak it. Um, anyway, he was a stone cutter, and old Joe Lati that was a stone cutter, and then on uh, Austin, in later years, the Betters had to. Uh, uh, sand and gravel, and they they plowed the state roads for a number of years too. Then they had a uh, Nashua sand and gravel over Nashua, and they did excavating. And then there was a okay, then Austin Road up there where the housing development is. You get down and to the left, there was a, there was a quarry there too, a stone quarry. And that was worked somewhat, uh, I think it was mostly the, uh, cutting the big blocks into into paving blocks. Yeah, some of, I guess some of the stuff from Bettis Quarry ended up in Boston for f building foundations and stuff like that. Because on Austin Road, there's a, there was, when I was a kid, there was just the one house where Ellie Austin lives now. And then later years, Ellsworth built the house where, where Kate lives now. And then, uh, let's see, El, uh, Frank Austin, who was Leo's grandfather. They had, uh, let's see, there was uh, Russell, Leo, Sr., uh, Ellsworth, and Alita. Alita was married to... Uh, Matt Fountain. I don't know. Did, have you ever met Mark Fountain? Yes. That was his parents. They they built that house there, that little house. And of course, Ellsworth built the house where Kate lives now. And down back where John Austin and some of the Creightons lived, there was nothing down there at that time. In fact, there was a couple of roads. The Austin Road went through. You could drive. Originally, you could drive through there up to the old Milfordville. And then there was another road out there that would. Could went through to the old Milford Road, and then let's see on uh, Springvale Avenue. There was the uh, where Dale Ward lives now. That was the Nye place. That was a Nye place for many years. Now uh, Dale's grandmother, Addie Nye, she was born in that place. And Dale's folks, uh, Connie. Ward, Dale's mother, she was uh, a nigh. Then later years, uh, she and Roy built the, the little place, uh, uh, 
that was torn down this few years ago, new house there now. Because also, uh, let's see, Roy Ward was the brother to Jane Whitcomb, who was Eddie Whitcomb's, Eddie Whit Senior. Was, uh, Jane was Eddie's mother. Harlan and Jane Whitcomb were Eddie's parents. And Jane was assisted to Roy Ward. So you get all, uh, get all these interwoven con family connections. But, uh, Grammy Nye, Eddie Nye, she had the first TV set in town back in the 40s, and a little probably about a nine inch set. And she had all kinds of company. Wednesdays and Saturday nights, a lot of the guys from town went up there to watch the wrestling matches on TV on Wednesday and Saturday nights. <laughs> I don't think she, she didn't give a hoot about the wrestling, she just liked the company. <laughs> but uh, no, that place has been there for a good many years. Then the uh, where Visnaskis lives, that, going way back, the uh, Dr. Holcomb lived there. And, and let's see, there was Next place on the street was there, the place that was used to be the Wheeler place. There used to be the trailer there where Beatrice Creighton lived. Well, she was a Wheeler. She was born in that house that was actually torn down. And she married Winnie Winford Creighton. They had a bunch of kids. And let's see, then the Wheelers, Cy and Margie, lived there when I was a kid. And they had horses. He had always worked with the team. He hauled logs and uh, they always did all their traveling around town with a horse and wagon. <laughs> and it was Cy Jr. He, old, old Cy was kind of a, a, a Yankee trader, a wheeler dealer, <laughs> wheeler dealer, literally. And then later, young Cy, he with Delton horses and cars and whatever, and and let's see. Then, then of course, then on the right, of course, there was no school. On the right, there were the uh, Bridges place was. Of course, early earlier years, that was according to my mother's writings. That was High Street. That wasn't Milford Street, mm -hmm. from where the church is. Well, it was Milford uh, earlier, back in the early nineteen, early nineteen hundreds. That was High Street. Then later, there was Milford Road, all the way through to the Milford Line. What is now Milford Street and Quimby Road and Route Thirteen, all the way to Milford Line. That was Milford Road. But in, in the early nineteen hundreds, that was High Street, and. Oh, getting back to that, the Bridges, oh, uh, Elizabeth Bridges had a brother, George Loring Todd, who, the Loring comes from my great-grandmother's maiden name, George Loring Todd, he was the minister at the Congregational Church in Brookline back in the early 1900s, and a couple of his daughters were born in Brookline. Then, uh, Elizabeth Bridges had another brother, Pearlie Todd, who was a blacksmith, and he lived in Brookline. He was from from New Boston. And he uh, lived in Brookline for a few years, and he 
blacksmith at the what the uh, the building later became the the Stonehouse Press, and that was one of the Hobart blacksmith shops. And Pearly Todd blacksmiths there, black back in the early 1900s, around 1900 for 1905, something like that. What did he make? Do you know, or everything and anything? Well, uh, everything, I guess. And uh, he uh, he was a blacksmith and a wheelwright. Wagons, wheels, wagons, and because there at that time there were a number of blacksmith shops, and a lot of the Hobarts had several blacksmith shops in town, various places in town down through the years. And Pearly Todd was also the the lamplighter. They had the old kerosene street lights at that time. He was that was one of his jobs was the lamplighter every evening. Of course, he had to service the things and trim the wicks and. <coughs> Children, uh, pardon me. No problem. Okay, we're back on after a telephone call, and we've both grabbed lunch, so there may be some chewing involved. Okay, let's see where were we? I guess uh, I filled you in a little bit on 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 the bridges back there. Um, let's see. Of course, there are a number of the old houses in town, the the old uh, parsonage and. That has a history, and uh, people where the hates live now. I don't know too much about the history of that place, except some of the people that lived there when I was a kid. Arthur Brown was the Arthur and Bertha Brown. They lived lived there back in the thirties, and he was a letter carrier behind for many years. And later years, uh, quite a few other families lived down through the years. Right next to that, there was a uh, <clears throat> Herbie. There was a Herbie Hall lived there, but he was born in this house, and he was an old man when I was a kid. My mother used to talk with him a lot and picking his mind. He told said that his father was known as uh, Billy Hall. He was born in this place. And Herbie told that told my mother that his father was found on the doorstep here as a baby. Well, about his Herbie's mother. I want to see Herbie's father. Oh yeah, old Billy Hall. 